You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. It's your old pally, Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host, the man with the most. I don't want to boast, but from coast to coast, I'm known as the man who is a great host. And let me introduce the second person on the podcast, a veritable maestro of the podcastering arts. That's a word. Mm. Is now. Jinx. <laughs> ah, see? Mm. See how entertaining they are? They don't even have to try. They're master podcasters. <laughs> Man. Man. The people are entertained. It's like yeah. in Gladiator. It's, it's, it answers Russell Crowe's age-old question. Are you entertained? Are, are you, you not, not entertained? entertained? Right. And they are. Imagine what would happen if we tried. Oh, man. It would be an overload of entertainment. Yeah. But we don't even have to try. We're not going to. No, we never do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Ben, did I introduce you? No. <laughs> you know what? Let's just call you Mysterious Person X. Let's not introduce you for the whole show. Okay. All right. But why don't you introduce the other guy? Yeah. Well, the other guy is Mysterious Person Z. It stands for zebra. Because this person sees everything in black and white. That's right. That's right. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, folks, we just ate some CC's pizza not too long, terribly long ago. Our brains are fried. Not long enough ago. Not long enough ago. It'll be a long time, I dare say, before we go back to CC's pizza. Ben will wait at least a few more hours. <laughs> Ben's idea and... Whatever. Nathan thought it was going to be an awesome adventure. It was Nathan's suggestion. Retracing ben the steps of it. our past. Nathan approved it. Jake drove us there. <laughs> Everyone was complicit. <laughs> I was complicit. Yeah, the CC stands for complicit. Compadres. Yeah, complicit compadres. The, tr- <laughs> the real CC is... Okay, let's stop giving everyone the value that we've been giving them. <laughs> and let's talk about something else. <laughs> let's talk about the woke mob. They're coming for you, Barbara. They're coming for your children. Little Miss Hot Mess, the drag queen, did a video for PBS affiliates where she sang, the hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. Did you guys see this on the interwebs? It was being shared by people. No. No. Well, PBS affiliates, I guess, were showing an educational program for children where a drag queen sang a song to the tune of The Wheels on the Bus Go Round, 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 or however that song is titled. But instead, it was all about drag queen th- things. So her hips go swish, swish, swish. And it was just a bunch of drag queen stuff, normalizing it for kids. So that's Ooh. something that I saw. Eh, I've been. I dare say it's not. You're right. You know, Nathan, that was an unthinking comment. You should not say that such things are cool on our conservative Christian podcast. Uncool. That's right. That's more accurate. Uh, The second thing that I saw was a Blue's Clues segment, which apparently Blue's Clues is still a thing. Oh, it's a thing. Oh, it's a thing. I saw this segment. Well, I saw that it existed and had to tell Amanda that she has to be careful about putting on Blue's Clues for the kids. Yeah. She does from time to time. That is super lame. 
Because your son, Peter, he's 13 years old. He loves Blue's, Blue's Clues. Clues. He's okay. always begging mom to, to turn it on. And Lucy, yeah. what is she? She's 11, 11 12, something like she'll that. Be 12 this yeah. year. She's finally old sometime. enough to, she's finally old enough to enjoy Blue's Clues. Yeah. At least for my kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, your kids, they're slow but steady. They get there. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> uh, listen, Jake's kids are smart. They don't watch Blue's Clues. Well, none of them watch it anymore, not even the little ones, because yeah. it's got this gay propaganda. So the thing that we're referring to is a segment where Blue the dog takes us into this animated world of a gay pride parade. Maybe even trans, but... They're singing, basically, it's, a, it's the same song that Barney used to sing, like a family is people, a family is love. It's that kind of thing. Families can take all different shapes and sizes. I live with my mom, you live with your dad. But then it goes into, I have two moms, or I have trans. I think it actually explicitly says. That's, tran- that's this Blue's Clues song? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's really ugly and gross. And the world is full of ugly and gross ways that... Worldlings are trying to seduce your children into the new religion of wokeness. And so, how do you uh, not just inoculate your children against the charms of the mob, but how do you keep them from joining the mob? Because they don't just want to indoctrinate your children, they want to weaponize your children. And I don't think that either statement is an exaggeration. So when the mob comes and tries to tempt your kids to join them, you don't want them to have to think too hard before they say, no way. But how do you do that? That is the question that we ask on today's Sound of Sanity. And Jacob Menzel, I dare say you have some answers for us. I don't have the answers, but Proverbs does. Because that's really how Proverbs gets started. It's something we've been talking about at Church of the King quite a bit over the last several weeks because we just started a series on Proverbs. But so Proverbs opens up with this exhortation for uh, your son to not join a gang or to not join a mob or to not join with any group of people who are enticing you to wickedness. And so Solomon starts there because that's just something that we're all tempted to do. And the minute you start to think about it that way, the more obvious it gets. It's actually not a very intuitive passage for me, at least when you're reading it the first time, because Solomon's like, hey, hello, I'm Solomon. I'm the wisest guy in the world. I'm talking to my son. I'm going to tell him how to be wise and how to be a really wise guy. And so uh, rule number one, when somebody comes, tries to entice you to go shed innocent blood, don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) When's the last time somebody's come along and said, hey, let's go kill somebody. Right. Right. I'm not actually living in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Right. Or in an Italian mafia movie. Yeah. So he's coming and tempting your son to join the mafia or to go become a pirate or something like that. Right. Right. And so you tend to just glaze over that one. The Bible says some weird stuff. I wonder where the good, when when we get the good stuff. Culturally, that must've been a thing. Mm -hmm. But when you stop and think about it and actually consider what Solomon's doing here, what you understand is that, no, no, this, this is, all the time. This is the way that groups of wicked people band together and try to, well, what it actually says is they try to get unjust gain, right? And Mm -hmm. so they're out there just trying to find a way to make a buck or to get something that's not theirs. This might be old hat for people who actually attend Church of the King, but uh, should we just read the passage? Sure, we'll read the passage and then we'll, we'll, we'll see it. We can break it down from there. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for there are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason, 
like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods, we shall fill our houses with plunder, throw in your lot among us, we will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So, just a couple of things about this passage that I think, once you see it and you have it in your head, they're handles to understand all the ways the mob comes, the gang comes, the pirates come, any peer group comes to put pressure on you to join them in their wickedness or in their sin. And then you can start to see both the outs that Solomon gives his son and also the ways to insulate yourself, inoculate yourself, and inoculate your children against these things. So for instance, the very first thing they're going to come to you and say is, come with us, right? So number one, they want you to be a part of the in crowd. They're appealing to your desire to be included and to belong. And so one, you need to see that. They're going to come and say, hey, don't you, aren't you alone? Don't you feel lonely? Don't you want to be a part of the cool kids? Don't you want to sit at the cool table? Don't you want to be a part of the group? That's the first point of appeal. And so one, you need to recognize that that's part of the appeal. And two, you need to give your kids a place of belonging that's mm. stronger than that. And there's a reason why actual gang violence correlates directly to fatherlessness. And there's a reason why this exhortation starts with, hear my son, your father's instruction. So one way to insulate yourself and your kids is to just give them a place of belonging that's bigger because that's going to be point one of the appeal. Come with us. Join us. Be a part of the in crowd. Number two is we're going to do something really exciting and exhilarating that's going to get your blood pumping. It's going to have the allure of the forbidden. That's the let us lie and wait for innocent blood. Let's do something crazy. Let's do something wicked. Let's do something adventurous and exciting that has the allure of the forbidden. We'll swallow up our victims like death, like the pit. In other words, we're, we're, we're going to get away with this. We're not going to get caught. There's not going to be any evidence. So there will be no consequences. Instead, we'll get rich. We'll find all precious goods. We'll fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We'll have one purse. All for one, one for all. We're in this together. No matter how we act towards outsiders, within our group, we're going to be for each other. And at the end of the day, we're going to reap without having sown. Come with us. Come be a part of the in crowd. We're going to do something crazy and forbidden and exciting. We're not going to get caught. We're going to profit off of this and get rich. And we're going to be in it together to the end. That's the way that the mob comes to you. And we talked in uh, Church of the King about all the ways this applies in the workplace and with time cards and expense reports and little suburban street gangs, kids on bikes. and Or click this link to see this forbidden lady taking her clothes off and uh, nothing bad will happen and mm-hmm. it'll be great and you'll satisfy your... You know, supplies to so many of the temptations that we face in life. Yeah, and the very first thing that Solomon does is say, hey, this is the pattern. I want you to see the pattern. I want you to understand it. If you want to win at life, if you want the crown, if you want the medals, if you want to be recognized, you got to stay away from this stuff. Everybody thinks that they're going to get rich without doing the work, and they're going to do it by taking advantage of other people. It's all going to come back on them one way or another. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as reaping anything without sowing. You're always sowing. And so 
You think you're going to go and you're going to get good stuff by attacking the innocent. Well, what you're actually doing is sowing violence. And you're going to reap destruction. It's going to come back. It's always going to come back on your head. Understand it's going to come back on your head. Run from it into what's good. I have a friend who would say, sin offers you a fake strategy for getting a fake reward. It's a bad strategy for a bad goal. This is the thing you see over and over in Proverbs. The strategy itself is cruddy for getting something good, but then the thing that you're actually going for, the, this is the good stuff. Actually, it is destruction in the end. It's not going to be the good stuff, even if you get it. So then, I guess if that's the, the pattern, if that's the way it works, how do we help our kids see the pattern and hate the pattern? There are two things that we haven't talked a lot about that are just implicit in this passage about how to inoculate your kids against these mm-hmm. temptations. One is just the way the father approaches his son, and the other is this little throwaway at the end, such are the ways of everyone who's greedy for unjust gain. So much of the appeal of the mob or the cool kids table or whatever is in, in remembering that Solomon is largely talking to teenage boys but, it, but it's true for all of us. It's just the, that desire to feel included, to feel a part of the in crowd, to feel like you have a place. And, and that's what teenage boys are doing. And that's why they organize themselves so naturally into little gangs. Clicks and gangs. Clicks yeah. and things like that with their own little hierarchies and pecking orders. They're trying to figure out who they are and where they fit and where they belong. And a large part of what I think Solomon's doing here and how he's addressing his son is even inoculating him against that. Hear my son, your father's instruction, forsake not your mother's teaching. My son, if sinners entice you, my son, do not walk in the way with them. He's reinforcing throughout this exhortation, this little sermon, the place where the son really belongs and who the son really belongs to. Mm-hmm. My son, my son, my son, three times. And giving him that sense of Hey, you have an identity. You don't he, need this identity over here, that identity yeah. over there. Not to mention the fact that they'll lead to total destruction. And right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. We spent a lot yeah. of time talking, and we have spent a lot of time talking because Solomon does about about the consequences, about how these people are just setting a trap for themselves, and in seeking innocent blood, they're seeking their own blood. But Solomon, even in how he talks to his son here, I think is inoculating him against the gang, against the mob, against the peer pressure because of, of just that reason. So you have an identity, you have a place where you belong, you have a place where you fit and it's stronger and sweeter and more potent than a group of 12 or 15 year old boys or a mob of people on the internet. Well, and I feel like I know that kid and I hated that kid because I could never get him to do anything that I wanted. Quite frankly, I was on the bad side of some of these in my high school, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, you don't want to be part of the crowd. You don't want to go see the, the movie with us. Really? And the kid's just like, uh, no, why would I want to do that? And they're absolutely annoyingly unassailable yeah, because they have a, an identity that uh, really isn't taking Nathan, bad Nathan, into account. It, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, they don't find their identity in association with you or in... Whether I approve or not. Your approval or disapproval or in the kinds of movies or things that you... It's just not who they are. And so they're not... They're just free. Yeah. Right? They're just... You just don't have that power over them. Yeah, it's really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) 
come see early 90s Quentin Tarantino movies with me, kid. Come on. How about no? Because that's dumb. <laughs> but probably everyone, terrible. But it's but everyone's doing it, and we could all be together as the people that are doing it. And well, now you can both understand the, the gospel frame that lets you watch and enjoy those Tarantino movies. So you, there's some, mature, some maturing for both sides, I would well, say. Well, I wasn't quite immature enough to use uh, crummy <laughs> gospel coalition <laughs> articles <laughs> when I was 11. Curses. <laughs> you just knew you liked bloodshed. Right. Maybe if someone had hit me over the head with a hammer or something. I was just like, it's cool because it's bad. So the thing I, I keep thinking as we're talking is... I just find it utterly fascinating in the Proverbs how much King Solomon stops and says to his son, hey, bad things are bad. You don't want bad things to happen, do you? And good things are good. Here's an idea. Would you would you like to be wise or would you like to be a fool? He'll always ask that question in, in a million different ways. Would you like to live or would you like to die? Would you like to live or would you like to die? And it seems so obvious. Why would you have to ask that question? An advertiser on TV is not going to assume like, there's there's obviously some of you women would like to look ugly, but if you'd like to look beautiful, you can use our lipstick. They're they're not going to assume that people don't act in their own self-interests. Solomon's assuming you don't know what your own self-interest is, actually. There's, There's no reason to assume that your son will, his son will act in his own self-interest unless he is told over and over and over and over again, this is how to recognize what your self-interest Well, what he, is. what he assumes is that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> and that is deeply connected to one of the first lies, or the lie that Satan tells Eve in the garden, you will not surely die, right? So over and over and over again, seems like all Solomon is saying, honestly, just a large part of parenting, the lion's share of parenting is just saying actions have consequences over and over and over and over and over again and reinforcing actions have consequences. You will always reap what you sow. You will always reap what you sow. There will always be a harvest that comes from whatever you do. You're always sowing one way or another and one way or another. You're going to reap what you've sown. Actions have consequences. Actions have consequences. Actions have consequences. And you're always tempted to think that they don't and that you can get away with it and that you can somehow create a world in which you can reap what you've not sown. And you can't. You can go and steal, but when you're stealing what other people have sown, you're sowing seeds of your own destruction in the process. It's always going to come back on you. So over and over and over again, when he's like, hey, you want to be a fool or do you want to be wise? Do you want to live? Do you want to die? He's always coming at this disconnect that we have where we think if I can just take the shortcut, if I can just take the easy way out, if I could just find the clear, clean path to getting something without having to work for it, getting the good thing without having to do the work, put in the effort to get it. That's just what we're, what we're seeking. We hate the idea that God has disciplined us with thorns and thistles. Mm -hmm. And so we want to have the fruit without the thorns and the thistles. We'll work so hard to find ways we'll put so much sweat into finding ways to get the fruit without the thorns and the thistles and we'll go to great lengths and we'll hurt people and in the end we'll sow our own destruction which is the other part here that he's talking about when he says this is just the way of everyone who's greedy for unjust gain everybody who wants something that's not theirs to have that's what they do in the end it turns to violence and it comes back on their own heads always and so so much of Proverbs then is about, hey, don't seek unjust gain. 
Just be honest and have integrity and work hard. I always, it's helpful to me to think of Proverbs as pattern recognition. Wisdom is pattern recognition. It's just, if X, then Y. If X, then Y. If X, then Y. If you're lazy, you starve. If you work, you eat. Just like a kindergartner has to be taught to recognize a triangle, our moral sensibility really does not naturally recognize if you don't work, you starve. And so just having a father come along and say that over and over and over and over and over and over again until your brain just starts to get to the point where you can begin to recognize an obvious pattern. Yeah, well, there's that. And then there's also that there are quote unquote successful criminals and there are people who are lazy and they seem to be just fine. And so Proverbs is also going to spend a lot of time telling you, yeah, there's a normal pattern, but if, if not everything matches the normal pattern, there's the judgment coming. In fact, you've got to remember God is watching everything and he'll bring this to the conclusion that I'm telling you. One way or another. And while, way, we, can all, while another. we can all think of exceptions, also, mostly everything just basically follows the pattern. Follows the pattern. Yeah. Yep. The exceptions really are exceptions. Yeah, they but, prove the rule. And and they come and they come with their own hidden judgments. Yes, mm-hmm. that's that, also true. That are hidden from you that you don't see. It's easy for you to think that. Oh, he died peacefully in his bed after a life of that. Yeah, and what you don't realize is how lacking in peace that life really was. Right. Yeah. How how troubled the conscience, how scared at every turn of being found out, and how terrified going down to judgment. All the things that had to be done to sear that conscience and continue on that path. Well, all you have to do is watch any HBO show. Not that I recommend it, but all you have to do is watch any modern show or read any modern novel to see the ways that people attempt to cathartically deal with how miserable their happy first world lives where they have everything that princes of other civilizations would have dreamed of having actually are Mm -hmm. people just live in existential misery (laughs) it's funny now that you say that it's funny that most hbo shows are just people becoming kind of fascinated with this pattern and Mm -hmm. continuing to live it out even the movie stars themselves live in these patterns as we know from the tabloids yeah, well, it's why, self-destruction. It's why the first season of something like Game of Thrones or Sopranos or whatever is always a lot more exciting than the last season because the last season's always just like, well, the pattern continues and we don't really have anything to say about it, but it's nudity. <laughs> you guys like that, right? <laughs> everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, everyone dies. Well, Walter was always going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy, I wonder what's going to happen at the end of Breaking Bad. <laughs> and he had cancer, so he's going to die one way or another. Well, hey, we need to connect this more to wokeism specifically. So the woke mob is coming. How does this apply? How does the woke mob encapsulate the lies that the people are telling in Proverbs 1? First of all, it's just a, a mob, period. And part of the appeal is be a part of the... Mm-hmm the crowd the in crowd and so the the bigger they can be the bigger they can feel the louder and more ubiquitous they can make themselves the more alluring they'll be well and i think especially with something as monstrous as say a drag queen parading her his i guess should say shame in front of kindergartners something that horrendous something that conscious searing 
a large part of the appeal has to be there's a big mob behind this because there ain't that much other appeal right. for a lot of these things, actually. A lot of what drives the woke mob in particular is just be one of us yeah, or face the consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the bigger the mob gets, the more bold it gets in its traipsing into the forbidden. And the more confident it becomes that it can escape the consequences, right? If you have the majority, and you can see this uh, abortions, one big example of this, where the mob has decided the bo- the mobs become the majority. Even if you want to say it's not the actual majority, it was the gang of Supreme Court justices and political elites. Fact is, we've not been able to do anything about it for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so abortion is something where we've all decided that we can come and lie in wait for innocent blood and take our victims down to Sheol and have them be completely consumed and covered up and there'll be no consequences and we'll all get rich because of it. We'll all benefit because of it. To take just a big, bold example mm-hmm. of that. And we'll, we'll be in it together. So the bigger the mob gets, the more it thinks it can get away with. It's almost like the more it has to get away with. If part of its allure is the thrill, the thrill of the forbidden, it has to keep pushing the line. That's right. So, for example, yeah. with abortion, the the whole thing in the '80s or whenever it was, uh, no, this was a Clinton thing actually. The '90s, safe, legal, rare. That's not cool anymore. You're not supposed to say that anymore. You're supposed to shout your abortion. You're supposed to shout your abortion. Right. Thank goodness for my abortion. I'm so glad I got my abortion. It gave me this career. There was nothing painful or guilty about it. The more brazen you are, the the better. The more willing you are to acknowledge that what you've actually done is, in fact, kill a baby. That's where the edge is now. What people are are really willing to just own. It used to be you had to deny that what you were doing was killing a baby. And increasingly, you don't have to. So not only is it shout mm-hmm. your abortion, but it's acknowledge exactly what you're doing. And just say that we've all collectively decided that this is good and for the best of society and for the best of those babies but it, when, when women do shout their abortions there is a thrill to it it's not just like this is a considered decision for the good of society that's just the mask but the thrill is whoa i don't believe we're doing this and getting away with it and getting away with it yeah that's the thrill i think there is always an allure to sin and an allure to death in and of itself. I think that's always a component. We are mistaken if we think that it's always the cheese that traps us into the mouse trap. We are perverse enough that we actually kind of love the mouse trap too. The the mouse trap is it represents to us in a delusional way autonomy. This is my escape from God. God says come and live and leave your sin and I say uh-uh, you're not going to trap me, God. I'm going to die. Yep. I'm going to control my own death. I'm diving straight into hell. I know how to be a slave in a way well, that it's, it escapes is that you. I can control it. There really is no such thing as consequences, and I can rewrite the way that you wrote the world. Mm-hmm. Right. We can rewrite the world into a world without consequences. We can rewrite the world into a world where you don't reap what you sow, actually. We just have even distribution. <laughs> right. 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 And on some level... There's an insane thrill in knowing that you're being insane as you try to do things like that because the knowledge of God is written on our hearts. Right. And we see it everywhere and we're suppressing it. 
You're, well, there's a thrill to running straight towards the Grand Canyon as fast as you possibly can and saying, yeah. there's no hole there! <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's... It's weird. If you ever gone down the psychological rabbit hole of why people are tempted to jump off of really tall places... I have found it within myself and been very frightened of it. It's frightening. Yeah. Yes, it it's is frightening. frightening. I have it. Yeah. yeah. There are arguments about this and psychological tests and a kind of experiments. Everything from wanting to resolve the tension of what will happen if I fall or if I jump off of this to I could resolve all the tension of my life right now. It's in my power. And it could just be over to mistaking your will to survive that adrenaline rush as a will to die. There's all kinds of things that people... It's such a common experience. I've never been scared of falling, but I've always been scared of, of jumping. jumping. And it's not because I'm suicidal. It's because you get me up to a, a height and you just have that feeling. And yeah. it's insane. And that's why the that metaphor that I I stole from from Joseph is such a good one. He said that the wicked are only winning in the same way that a man who jumped off a bridge is flying. Mm-hmm. Yep. The rocks are, are coming. Mm-hmm. But... You've already made the decisive decision. So what are you going to do? Fly! Pretend. Pretend. Delude yourself. Mm -hmm. Convince yourself to enjoy the flight and try to get as many other people to join you as possible and blame God for making... Gravity? Anything you want. (laughs) Blame him for everything. The feeling of wind through your hair so wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Blame him for both the enjoyable things and the, and the terrible consequences. Blame him for all of that. Mm. Just blame him, period. Yeah. Well, hey, just sorry, but I just was thinking my, my brain finally caught up with thinking a little more about the mob and fathers. And I was, it's just an obvious thing, but in a fatherless land, the mob has even more cachet. And in our land, a mob looks pretty good. Someone to submit to, well, something to submit to. Something that promises you status, a thrill. Yeah, I think belonging. That's, that's why Jake belonging. started by saying we have to give people belonging we, yeah. or yeah, they'll find and, it somewhere else. And, and so the greatest predictor of joining an actual street gang is fatherlessness. The greatest predictor of uh, success in school and in life is hours spent at the family dinner table. Belonging matters and healthy belonging matters and that's why our families have to be strong with mom and dad at home and together and loving the kids and dad anchoring the family father presence is also the greatest indication of children staying a part of a church so single moms Mm -hmm. can be committed to taking their kids to church and single dads can be committed to taking their kids to church but the kids with the with the dads who are present are much more likely to stay in church. Mm-hmm. Yep. So dads anchoring the family, the community, the sense of identity, and that extending to our church community. Because our church community can be a place of belonging that strengthens things for sound families and also is a place that's a home for the widow and the orphan that don't have dad at home to anchor things. Because at the end of the day, what we need to be anchored on is God the Father. Strong families, strong churches, strong communities. That's how we insulate and protect ourselves and our kids. Or one way. Mm -hmm. With a real commitment to 
Understanding actions have consequences. You reap what you sow. And here are the good things. A love of the good things that you can get by the work of your own hands. The satisfaction of eating bread that you've labored for. The joy of it. Potency and power of it. So main takeaways to insulate your kids against the mob. Make sure that they belong. Mm -hmm. And that you're doing the work of loving them and making them feel like they belong. Show them the ways that the mob's going to appeal to them. Teach them to run from evil. Teach them to see the consequences of actions, and especially the consequences of the way the mob acts. And teach them to love the fruit of hard work and to hate unjust gain. To love earning it. At the end of the day, that's what the mob wants. The mob's entitled and thinks it deserves to reap where it has its own. I mean, there's all kinds of words that they can use to make unjust gain sound just. That's their whole thing. But that's why you teach your kids these categories so that they're not confused when people use big words or wrong words or use just sounding words. There's all kinds of things you can do with words. Yeah, at the end of the day, I belong to my family and to my church and to my God. And I work to provide for myself and my family and for the needy in my in our midst. If you have that and you love it, what appeal does does the mob have no matter what terms they throw in your face? You have the good life. And pains and suffering, maybe they're persecuting you, but you know what's better and what's good. And you know the God who won't be mocked and will be sure that everyone reaps what they've sown. Well, I'm not too worried about our kids being able to articulate a rational argument against, for example, reparations, because I don't think that people are swayed by, generally speaking, rational arguments one way or another. They are swayed by their fears and their desires, and what we're talking about is properly forming your child's fears and desires such that someone could come along with any group of words strung together and they'd say, oh, that's not what I'm afraid of, Yeah, and that's not what I desire. Proverbs is about forming character and forming intuitions through understanding the fear of God, the nature of consequences, and recognizing patterns. Because for exactly that reason, at the end of the day, we're not rational, we're intuitive, and we just need our intuitions and our desires and our, and our fears formed and shaped and pointed in the right direction. And that is what Proverbs is about. And all of chapter two of Proverbs is exactly about that. That's the whole point of that chapter is your heart needs to be formed and shaped by wisdom so that you respond rightly and are insulated and protected against the lies of deceivers and the flattering lips of the adulteress and everyone who's coming to you. You have the right instincts. You know how to respond. So that you can then be free to have a rational thought. Which we, we on the podcast support rational thought, cutting that devil off at the knees before he, <laughs> he shows his ugly head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but free thought is the product of right desires. Yeah. And self self discipline and self control. Right? You can't begin to think freely if you're controlled by your your lusts mm. and your and your sinful fears. And the amazing thing, all this psychology Today, it doesn't matter who you read, 
dopey Malcolm Gladwell or Scott Adams or whoever out there saying, you know, we have this idea that we can rational our, rationalize our way to whatever, but actually, we're re we really just respond to things based on the way, yeah, well, the Bible knows that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Solomon knew that. That's why we're focused on training the hearts and character of our children so that they respond to these things in the right way and have the right intuitions. And intuition is something that can be shaped. We've talked a lot about helping your kids recognize fight against the mob generically. What specifically about wokeness, if you were going to say anything about that? Wokeness always disconnects reaping from sowing. That's really the entire project of Marxism and of both sexual wokeness and economic wokeness, all their wokeness, I would say. It's just a scheme to say, we're going to level the playing field, which means... We're going to tilt the playing field. Yeah, we're going to tilt the flaming <laughs> playing field. <laughs> God made a level playing field. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what we need to do is tilt it in our favor. Mm -hmm. And so we need an oppressor to make our victim mm -hmm. so that we can reap what we've not sown. And that's not the world. People do reap what they've sown. And we all have personal responsibility and personal agency. And none of them, none of their schemes admit to that. Speaking of admitting things, one thing that I'd like to admit is that a great place for people to support this show is patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Just today we posted a video where Ben talked about what we were doing today in an amusing manner. And then we panned over to Jake and he was busy doing the very thing that we were doing at that moment. If you like amusing videos, if you like extra content if you like supporting the greatest christian podcast ever to have been put to microphone then go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity sign up today for as little as the price of a cup of coffee a month you can support this show i'll tell you how else you can support this show you can share it with your friends and family you can throw it on social media or whatever you can make a personal appeal for someone to listen to it you can rate and review it on your podcast app of choice. So many ways to support sanity and the sound thereof. Until next time. <coughs> <laughs> Stay sane. <laughs>